All right, we are here with friend of the pod, Josh Coyne, a UK NBA writer. Uh, we talk about the World Cup and the Royals' visit last week for the Celtics uh, in our first ever peer review segment. We just tack that on anytime we need to bring in a big gun to help us understand something that maybe isn't so obvious to a typical Celtics fan, and particularly these Celtics fans. So, uh, Josh, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to join the lab again. Um, I didn't bring my coat, but it's it's great to be in the presence of MBA analysis technicians like yourself. And uh, I'm I'm glad I can finally bring the group chat that we're into life. Indeed, yeah. For those who don't know, Josh is one of the OGs of the Celtics Lab podcast from its previous incarnation when it was the Celtics Life podcast. And uh, he is based now in London, formerly of Life. Leicester, am I saying that right? Leicester, yeah. Leicester, okay, yeah, I'm terrible at that stuff. <laughs> so let's start with the Royals. Uh, I know you're a big, big fan of the Royal family. Uh, I'm kidding. How did that visit as a whole, you know, in a sentence, look from your side of the pond? Okay, so firstly, I'm going to mention that the last time I was on the Celtics lab, I incorrectly tipped a team to win the FIBA World Cup that hadn't actually qualified. So things can only get better. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> from my side of the pond, uh, we'll get on to my own personal feelings about the Royals in a moment. Um, but it was sort of surreal from, from my end to see a group of people, you know, largely Celtics broadcasting team and parts of Celtics media that have been a staple in my life. Uh, my day-to-day life, I suppose, for years. Um, And you find a way to basically compartmentalize parts of your life and your interests, don't you? So you sometimes think that uh, these two things in my life are never going to meet. Um, And one of those is the existence of archaic British culture, and the other one is the Boston Celtics. So to see all those people get so excited about it was... um, you know, to see them get so excited by something I'm generally pretty unmoved by um, was surreal. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm getting really used to them. I've Over the years, I've I've become really used to them attending sporting events. It's what they do. It's, they it do. seems to okay. be half of their job role is to go into like the royal box of a big football match or a, a tennis competition, Wimbledon or something like that. Uh, so it's not something new to me, but it's so surreal to see it you know, with Brian Scalabrini's voice in the background. So I don't know about you, but Jalen Brown, Joe Mazzola, they were not impressed. Why Why do you think that is? Uh, you can take it many ways. I think that Jalen Brown um, is somebody who has grown sceptical of and rightfully so on a on a lot of occasions and maybe sometimes he's hit wide of the mark but he's extremely skeptical of any system in place to um use unwarranted power um and a lot of the time that is you know he's talked about the the way the US polit- politicians uh, work and ways in which his what he would perceive to be his people have been oppressed over the years. And I think that what comes with that is just an opposition to power and an opposition to authority, uh, especially when unearned. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Jalen Brown's reaction was actually perfect. 
in in my opinion to this specific situation um largely because nobody sitting courtside should really change the way way players act on a day-to-day basis game day all that matters is the win really um and that should always be the case so I like that he said it's just another game. That should be the case, whether it's Prince William, The weekend, Brad Pitt, you know, whoever. Um, when it comes to Joe Mazzula's reaction, I thought that the sentiment was good, but I thought the way he delivered it and sort of crowbarred things, you know, it felt a little bit rehearsed. Uh, thought of it beforehand, yeah, totally. Yeah, I thought it was a bit corny, but to each their own. Yeah, for those who aren't, aren't aware of what we're referring to, he he basically referred to Jesus, Joseph, and Mary as being the the royal family, which I don't really think that they thought of themselves as royal uh, either. But that is neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the royal family, personally? Yeah, so so you, we we've sort of alluded to it already. I I, I personally am not a royalist. Um, I do have a view of it that's somewhat archaic, as I mentioned. I hope that I'm not keen on the concept of unearned wealth or status. I think that our country sometimes makes ourselves look like a bit of a theme park. And sometimes it feels as though the royal family is like our Disneyland. I'm Mm. generally not bothered by it. Um, That being said, of all of them, uh, the younger you know, the sons, Will and especially Harry, have always been on the more acceptable end of the spectrum. People have a soft spot for them um, because of the way that the family themselves and the British media treated their mother and how that ended. And I sympathize with that. Also, they have thrown themselves into charity and environmental work, which is the exact reason Will and Kate were in Boston, I suppose, for the Earthshot campaign, which I respect, of course. I'd just rather, personally, uh, that they wouldn't exist as some sort of privileged mascots for the country. I get the feeling sometimes from hearing them, too, that at least those two, William and uh, Harry, uh, kind of agree with you. (laughs) They're, uh, at least least Harry, uh, without going off on a royal tangent, uh, no pun intended, they're... uh, there doesn't seem to be too much uh, happiness from living life in a fish tank. And I can totally see why. Uh, in a lot yeah, of he ways, broke out of the fish tank, right? Yeah. And yeah. for from some not entirely savory reasons in terms of uh, regarding Harry, uh, racism with Meghan uh, Markle and, you know, taking the, the typical media treatment to an entirely new and even more negative place. Uh, but I mean, for me personally, uh, that they're using their platform in kind of like almost a Jalen Brown sort of a way for good, I think is better than nothing. Uh, but like you, I was very confused why a city that literally had a historic event called the Tea Party to get rid of that family uh, and then fought two, two wars to make it happen, uh, that there would be so many people cheering for them. I wouldn't necessarily see anything wrong with like, you know, some mild you know, pattering of claps and whatever for, you know, special guests, blah, 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 blah. But the booing was uh, particularly noticeable as well, uh, offsetting some of the some of the applause. Uh, how did that make you feel? Um, well, it made me feel somewhat 
fuzzy inside for one reason, um, and it's that I I, I get it. I, 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 when it comes to football, and I know we're going to speak about football in a moment, but um, soccer. I'm a Liverpool football fan, um, and Liverpool is a left-leaning city, heavily influenced by Irish immigration, um, and it's uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, diverse history, um, and they embrace that, and they are staunchly anti-Tories. Uh, and as a byproduct of that, they're also fairly anti-royal family. In recent games that I've gone to, in fact, in Liverpool, they've been constantly chanting anti-royal and anti-establishment songs. Um, so football really lets politics seep into uh, the surrounding culture. So it's not something that's familiar. In fact, it feels incredibly tame that they booed the royal family to me. I guess I'm just um, programmed to expect much more than booze when it comes to a royal family appearance. But you obviously have millions of people in this country or on the other end of the spectrum who sort of hero worship them. But I was I, I, I was okay with it. I wasn't surprised because, like you said, there's there's many reasons that they would deserve booze if people were look into the lineage and the the history of the royal family and the United States of America. Uh, so yeah, unsurprising. Definitely agree. Uh, though after the fact, and perhaps because they won, I don't know, uh, we'll never know, uh, but William admitted, at least in theory, that he is a Celtics fan. How did that uh, go over, in your opinion? Yeah, it's interesting, is it? Do you think that um, he was he, he was going to be a Celtics fan or, you know, it depended who won the game? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I, I like to give more credit than that, but I, I don't have any reason to. So, I mean, it just, it seemed like maybe it was just like, I'm in Boston, I should say the Boston thing. It would be amazing. Look, how incredible would it be if we found out he had like a league pass account and he was watching like, he was doing exactly what I do and and watching either first thing in the, mo- in the morning or in the early hours of the morning for the big games, uh, which I highly doubt. Um, did he say it before the game? No, he's said only after the game. After, okay, after yeah, the yeah. game, yeah. That's the only reason, well, not the only reason, because, I mean, who doesn't do that if you are a celebrity and you're in town and you're like, yes, yeah. I like your team, please don't hate Curry me. Curry favor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, watching this year's team, I don't get why anyone would prefer anyone else playing the, uh, the they're playing poetic basketball. And Tatum from courtside must have been some experience. Uh, I saw a tweet actually that mentioned he really will be coming away from this game thinking that Jason Tatum is prime Michael Jordan. Yeah, that was that was quite the performance to the point where I was wondering if, you know, maybe Jalen isn't so impressed by a visit from the Royals, but maybe Jason might have been. I wish someone had, you know, kind of drilled into him a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that uh, he's he's much more open to the public relations exercise that the Celtics want their stars to be a part of Tatum is. Um, So I saw him coming and speaking to him and having a little chat with him at the end of the game. And I think Deuce might have as well. So big experience for Deuce. Seriously. Now, we know that William is at least ostensibly a Celtics fan. Uh, Give me a brief synopsis on the state of NBA fandom as a whole in the UK lately, because here in Mexico, sports growing, we finally got NBA Mexico games coming back this next week. I'm very excited. I'll be there. Uh, as far as I know, there aren't any immediate plans for a return to London, 
but uh, what's the state of the fandom of an average NBA player in in the, the United Kingdom? Right. So, in terms of the presence that you touched on, they they used to have NBA London games here. I attended a few of them. Fantastic events. It did feel somewhat of a carnival atmosphere where there was no real allegiance to any team, but it was a celebration of all things NBA, you know, that kind of vibe. There is an NBA store in London. Um, There's NBA junior accounts, uh, sorry, camps that go around the country uh, trying to develop uh, talent. But that that really does, um, that does cover it really. It's an enormous question, really, because it's growing. When I was growing up, it felt like some sort of distant fantasy that you couldn't really get your you couldn't get hold of any footage of it without having like access to VHS tapes that were largely compilations. I was lucky that my family were really into the game. It's the reason I'm a Celtics fan. But when I started writing and podcasting about basketball in the uh, podcast Wild West that we were a part of, Justin. Uh, where not every single brand and media personality had their own successful podcast. Um, Basketball really at that point still felt like some sort of shadow secret society or cult over here. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's now on cable TV. We have a couple of prominent personalities, such as my friend Mo Mootsi, who is... Uh, really gaining following and, and and getting some serious clout internationally as a British bas- NBA analyst. It, it gets played for free on YouTube over here sometimes. Um, League Pass subscription is increasing year on year. I believe it's one of the 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 the, the fastest growing spectator sports in the UK, but it's still below uh, football, uh, rugby, cricket. And I actually think horse racing is still ahead of it. Really? Uh, and yeah, tennis. We got to work on that, man. Yeah. Yeah. People. Uh, I know. Incredible. It's, it's growing, though, like I said. And it's generally perceived as like a, a really exciting sport by most people. I don't think there's anyone who's anti basketball over here. Uh, but it's, so, it's got some ways to go uh, before it reaches, of course, United States level, but also Australia. Lots of countries within Eastern Europe love it. You know, there's Italy, France, Spain. It's 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 not even it's not even scratching the surface. But there's definitely room to grow, and I think there's an appetite for it now. Very cool. So I'm going to interrupt us real quick before we talk about another sport, which you cannot bet on anymore because the World Cup. Well, actually, no, you could you could bet on the continuing World Cup, but you cannot bet on the United States in the World Cup, and you cannot bet on Mexico, where I am, in the World oh, Cup. Sorry. It's all right. Uh, I, I am not the biggest uh, footy fan, as I think you guys sometimes call it. Uh, am I mistaken yep. on that? Yeah. Yep. But if you do want to bet on the remaining World Cup or any other sport, uh, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting. Uh, football, bet the American kind. The uh, For basketball this season, you'll always get the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, including, of course, the World Cup. We are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games. Do we call them golf games? Anyway, and other events. 
head to BetOnline AG to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, World Cup, I was so clueless. I do not understand why Mexico got eliminated because of yellow cards and all kinds of other things. And you don't need to explain that to me because I'm probably too stupid to get it in a very short amount of time. But it seems to be a pretty dominant sport in the UK. Is it the biggest biggest sport in the United Kingdom? Yeah, it is. It's com- completely... It's, it's like most of the world, really. It's, uh, but, but I feel as though it is above average in its passion about football here in the UK. Um, it easily makes the most money um, and it seeps into the culture like nothing else, especially during a tournament like this. Yeah, I know Grant Williams is a big fan. I, I imagine uh, Dennis Schroeder, I think, was also a fan. I know Taco Fall is also a fan of the sport. You can see sometimes them tweeting about it, and I really need to like at least learn some of the more basic things. Like I get the the basic mechanics of it, but uh, when it comes to the the World Cup, it's not quite the same as like say association football and that it's a national team. Uh, when you are in a situation like I am, where both uh, I have two teams I can root for, being you know a resident of Mexico and a resident of the United States, or original from the United States, uh, do you have a team you root for besides the United Kingdom? Yeah, so internationally, I'm an England fan. I've grown up as an England fan. Um, because I've been in England the grand majority of my life. I am recently, as of recently, I am a officially a dual citizen. So I have an obligation to, when it's not England, um, support Ireland the whole way through. Uh, my club team in association football is Liverpool. Yeah, if I had a, a club team, we've had this conversation before when I was like, who should I root for? Because when, when the Celtics were talking about, the Celtics really... Uh, Pagliuca was talking about buying Chelsea. You're like, oh, God, uh, we don't have to go into that uh, other than the fact that they seemed, as I understand it, to be more of a right-leaning club. Certainly, That's there's an understanding of that, yeah. 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 So probably uh, Liverpool would be my club based on what I've heard from you. Uh, but, you know, in terms of sports behavior, there's always there's all this advertising about how football uh, brings or soccer not to be confusing to some of our fans who don't really understand what I'm saying, uh, that it brings the world together. Uh, here, when uh, Mexico played Argentina, uh, everything I saw in the media was quite the opposite of that. Like, how how is it with with World Cup in your estimation? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, so football, for for anyone who's listening who is exclusively a basketball fan or an American sports fan, perhaps, uh, the major difference is the fact that American sports is very contained as a uh, entity. Um, every club and every association and every country, uh, of course, is working from a completely different place. So there is such a thing as actual completely opposite interest to the team that you're playing. Um, it's not like a, you know, you're, you're a franchise, you build rivalries between the fans and players, but it's everything's in the interest of one entity being the NBA. Um, it's very much not the case over here. Uh, there are genuine rivalries. Um, I'm talking from the UK, of course, um, that go far beyond um, players and the points that you get from a match. Um, there are massive political ties that are often put into it, sometimes religious, uh, which is absurd. But, of course, that breeds hooliganism, which has been a huge problem within British and a lot of European and South American, you know, a lot of places. Yep. Uh, the, 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 we have um, a predilection for saying a certain word here that people argue over what it really means. And I'm not going to get into it, but like, uh, I don't like hearing it. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it, it, it really is like a, uh, uh, more than life situation for fans over here. Of course, there are other differences, you know, you've got, um, it's it's incredible, really. I mean, it, it it will be so aggressive and so passionate the 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 uh, culture of football and fandom of football um, that it will genuinely be like something from a gangster film. You know, people are uh, are meeting up to fight on the streets before the game, and and often it's just tribal, pure tribalism. A lot of people don't even go to the games that fight, <laughs> so it's they're like fighting tailgating mixed with mixed martial arts. Essentially, yeah. So it's there, so versions of tailgating is essentially, you know, the police separate fans every time they go to a game. No one sits together um, in the same. And and a lot of the time, for most fixtures, they will get escorted by the police when they're in an array at an away stadium. So that's the sort of level of like operation. It's absolutely absurd when you really think about it. But the hilarious irony is that. Another massive difference that is that instead of sort of having five or six chants that you do to the same tune at an NBA game, you will have this endless songbook for every club. And usually it's to the tunes of like uh, Broadway show tunes it's, or like classical pieces, but saying something offensive about someone's personal life. It's just absurd. Um, but yeah, it's um, a culture that, differs heavily from um, NBA fandom and American sports fandom from what I can tell. So another aspect of, of the, the World Cup that is not so great and you know to be clear, every sport has has its downside. I mean we could we could review many of the events of the last year or two in the NBA. the NFL pretty much speaks for itself. Uh, but with the World Cup, 
There were some pretty serious human rights uh, abuses uh, in the setting up of the World Cup and some arguable uh, questions about whether Qatar was, even before any of that happened, a logical place for a game like that in the first place. Uh, I think, I don't remember the name of the guy anymore, but the president of FIFA was talking about holding a World Cup event in North Korea. Uh, This doesn't really seem to be in alignment with a lot of, you know, progressive values. what are your thoughts on that aspect of the game? It's, it is a minefield. Um, I would urge anyone who hasn't uh, seen it to look up the. I'm not. This is not pure homerism, but look up the Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp's mm. uh, comments on it. Uh, he spoke quite passionately about the fact that this should have been flagged 12 years ago, when they won the campaign to host the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, and now the media is sort of using it as an opportunity to try and get political statements from athletes, the footballers. Uh, I pretty much heavily and strongly believe that nobody should depend on athletes for uh, political guidance yep. or or anything like that. Should they feel the need to use their platform to do so, I would welcome that. But depending and relying on them for that is a mistake. Um, so that's one aspect. Stop trying to get football players to speak on behalf of the world against Qatar because that's just really dumb. Um, of course, it's a place that does not treat people of the LGBTQ community in a favourable way. It's really quite a harsh society to live in if you are not heterosexual um, which I do not welcome in any way and I don't support Um, and I do believe that if you had the choice of a country um, to host the World Cup I would strongly advise against that obviously I don't have any pull Um, but another aspect of it is that I also found out recently if you just google the list of people that um, has made homosexuality illegal it is absolutely staggering how long that list is we have so we have so 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 far to go in terms terms of the way we treat gay people um it shouldn't have been held there it shouldn't have been held in qatar we should have done something about it as a world football community universe i suppose mm-hmm. but that work should have been done between 12 and 8 years ago um before they were going to be profiting from it there were huge human rights violations in getting the stadiums built go look up the numbers of the people who it was the migrant workers who thousands. died yeah, yeah. like how does that thousands. even happen like you have to almost be doing it on purpose to be that bad at building something yeah. you would have to be an absolute monster to think that one life is worth a football tournament never mind thousands of lives so of course it shouldn't have happened but beyond the operation of creating the tournament and now that it is happening the uh it's 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 extremely um it's extremely difficult to sort of separate what has happened to create it and what is happening, which is essentially these athletes whose dream it is to compete in this tournament, and it comes around every four years. So for the grand majority, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 
Yeah. And they are soccer Where they and football. Boycott it. It's, it they yeah. will never be back there. I, I understand yeah. that too. Yeah. It's kind of, you really should not expect uh, any athletes to necessarily share all of your political uh, contexts. And that, that, that particular situation, as much as uh, some people might get really upset about that, uh, they have no control over it. It was going to happen. And they've worked literally for, for many, many years, sometimes decades to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, Ronaldo has, has broke has made history recently by scoring in i believe five tournaments which is absolutely staggering so over a 20 year period um whatever you think of him that is incredible but the grand majority i would say uh, of players that are in each squad will play in one tournament and then there's a minority who play in two or three if they're absolute stalwarts for their team um but it's it's, it's it's something that if you are someone who is in that position is never going to turn down but there's there's so many reasons in which it shouldn't have happened in Qatar it is those are the people to get mad at if you're going yeah, to be mad exactly yeah yeah. Them. yeah yeah and 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 being outraged that in a in, in a country where it is illegal to do so to 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 be in the lgbtq community that people aren't making statements with by wearing armbands etc that will get them arrested in, I saw. in legal trouble yeah. yeah is 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 not that's you need to look elsewhere you need to go look go out there campaign against it protests but this should have been FIFA. done should have been should have been done 12 to 8 years ago and fifa shouldn't have been able to do it well now that we have uh hit the most you know, heavy <laughs> part of the entire conversation. Yeah, yeah. Let's do a U-turn uh, and end on something a little more positive. I don't know if I gave you too many. Uh, 11 people teams are kind of big compared to the five-man teams of the NBA, but... No, I'm um, prepared for 11. Oh, boy. All right. So tell me, who would the all-time football soccer team of Celtics alumni consist of? Right. So disclaimer, I couldn't find a spot for, you know, one of my favorite players of all time, Paul Pierce, because it just doesn't work for me. There was no position that made sense for not, the kind of guy. Yeah, like, is there yeah. such a thing as old man game in football? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there is. Uh, look at um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the Swedish player. He's got old man game. You know, he had some flair and amazing ability in the frame that sort of saw him play until the uh, twilight years. So, yeah, there's plenty of guys like that. It's usually strikers or defenders who can just get by on technique and uh, stature. Okay. And largely that's what Paul did. Um, also, shout out to Jordan Crawford, who for some reason is my background. Um, I just wanted to – I was like, I've got to put a player as my background. I thought, why not the uh, December 2013 Player of the Week? Yeah, anyway, <laughs> goalkeeper, I'm going Bill Russell. Definitely. That, I, I figured that was almost certainly a given. Nobody else you'd want in front of the goal. Fierce deterrent for opposing strikers. Size. I imagine that's helpful. You can cover more right, quicker. Right. Jalen Brown is my right back. Um, in my team, the wing backs are pushing forward. It's an aggressive team. 
so you need a player who can do it on both sides, but generally is pretty solid. Um, he's athletic, he's quick, and he can help at the back if needed, and he has influence going forward. So bombing down the right is uh, Jalen Brown. I've got Kevin Garnett at centre-back. Um, he's a defensive anchor, okay. leads from the back, a vocal presence to say the least, um, and he organises the defence because... There is literally no arguing with Kevin Garnett. Next to him, to create the biggest, most gigantic defensive tandem you could possibly have, I've got Robert Parrish as another centre-back. Um, brilliant defender, making up the largest defence of all time. Land of the Giants in there. And then I've got left-back. It's the exact same logic as Jalen. I've got Jason Tatum. Quick, can do it on both sides. Knows what he's doing, great technique. But I would say he's probably the most overqualified left back in history. It's not a position that flair players usually play. So uh, he's he's definitely overqualified there. So maybe there could be some sort of polit- uh, positional adjustments there eventually. Um, I'm moving on to my midfield. Do you have any questions about my defense? <laughs> Uh, no, because if I if I gave you the questions I would need to give you for them to be uh, helpful to me personally, okay. everyone would, would just stop listening. <laughs> okay, right. So CDM, so central defensive midfielder, the back of the midfield. I've got Marcus Smart. Tenacious defensive influence, but also an unbelievable passer. So he could lead from the back. He can... Shoot from range if needs be. He never used to be able to, really. He used to be the bane of everyone's life when he would shoot from free. But he, too, yeah. now he's a decent shooter from distance and, like I said, a defensive warrior. I've got... So a lot of uh, iconic central midfielders are like Andre Perlo. Uh, they're beautiful players, you know, but they're also... They've also got... Something we called shit housery over here, which I guess is like, I guess it just means you you can be nasty if needs be. You know, you've got that edge. You've got a chip on your shoulder. I've got Larry Legend at the uh, central midfield position. Okay, all right, yeah. Some some flair, but also you know he could be nasty if need be. He's a fighter. Uh, he can got you, but back it up as well. Yeah. Happy happy birthday! We're recording this on his birthday. For, uh, oh wow! Yeah, happy birthday to the legend. That's who should be in my background. Um, so yeah, creative player, but also a defensive presence. Central attacking midfield. I have Rajon Rondo, somebody who really prided himself on helping shooters, sometimes actually to his detriment when he was uh, padding stats. Yeah, uh, but a willing passer is what you need at central attacking midfield. So. There's the creative engine that we need. Um, And then I'm going with three at the top. So I've got a right winger, um, not in that way. Um, Isaiah Thomas, lightning quick, able to find space where others really couldn't. So is there a size issue in in football as well, soccer? Is that Not really. Um, The only positions really where you will get caught out for being small generally are the two centre-backs and I've put Kevin Garnett and Robert Parrish there so I think we're okay Um, and the goalkeeper I suppose Um, but as long as you're quick and you've got 
great um, technique um, and attitude. It usually works out. I mean, the best two of the best players of all time are Lionel Messi and Diego Maradona, and they are way Maradona's, below six foot. Yeah, way below. Isaiah Thomas would be towering over those guys. Yeah, he really would. Um, cool. So, you know, Isaiah Thomas would actually be quite a tall footballer. Really? So the, the average height is considerably shorter than the NBA then? Oh, way shorter. I used to feel very strange as a uh, young guy because I'm six foot four and a half. Let's go with that. And I would feel incredibly uh, out of place on a football pitch when I was growing up. Um, it's definitely the average size is much smaller. Look, he wouldn't be tall. That was a that was an overstatement. But he would be. He wouldn't stand out as small in the slightest, and he would be incredibly muscular in comparison to most footballers. But anyway, yeah. he's lightning quick. He was able to find space and get his own shot, and that's what you need from a winger. Uh, on the other wing, before I reveal the striker, I'm going with Bob Cousy. I thought I had to get somebody else. Um, that was in before my lifetime. Who was in, who was on the court before my lifetime? Um, and from what from what I can tell, amazing dribbling skills, creative passer, and of course he's a he's a legend of the franchise. So you've you've got to have him in. And then finally, before anyone does switch off, um, I've got Ray Allen as the striker. Okay, I was wondering yeah. if you might go with Taco Fall because he wanted to become a striker, but I didn't know necessarily if that would be the best fit considering. He's so tall, that might actually not be an advantage. Look, I've me, you and I both watched Taco Four, and I, I love Taco Four, but we watched him on a basketball court where yeah. having quick bursts of agility matter a lot more than in basketball. Um, and I don't want to see Taco Four trying to chase the ball. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, Taco. He did, he did, for those who don't know, start out with football, soccer. But right. He, he was shorter. I'll leave it at that. I would say that he, he outgrew the game in, in many ways. Um, but Ray Allen really is, I mean, it's really as simple as get the purest shooter that the, the team's ever had and put him in front of the goal. And with his dedication to all things of preparation, I imagine that would also lend itself to that position as well. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that is my Celtics 11. Very cool. Well, I have kept you for entirely too long, uh, but you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, man, I'm, I'm writing. I, I, I make music. Um, I sometimes do podcasts. You can find me whilst it's still online. You can find me at Twitter on at poundcoin, pound, C-O-Y-N-E. Great pun on the English sterling. Um, and that's about it. You'll, you'll find me, you'll keep up to date, and uh, it'll be my pleasure. Very cool. All right, take care, y'all. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.